Um, just a, a quick reminder, um, we're collecting thing, clothing items. I think you got an email, maybe, hopefully, which is really helpful for the Christian Care Center. Um, and these um, can be collected for two more weeks. So if you didn't get a chance to bring anything today and you want to bring something, um, two more weeks, you can have an opportunity to do that. So that's that's exciting. Um, another uh, thing that I wanted to let you know, we have two more weeks of heartstrings, and our last one is going to be our normal celebration, bring food, so that's the 21st, so everybody come, everybody bring something to share, and that'll be a really fun time to, to get together and have just more of a social time, along with teaching. Um, and this summer, I know others have asked me, what are we doing this summer? Is there anything happening this summer? And yes, there's a Beth Moore study. Um, it's going to be on... Um, James, right, Cheryl, yeah, and um, James, it's called Mercy Triumphs, um, and that's going to start June 4th, that you need to sign up ahead of time, the cost is $16, and um, it's going to go from June 4th for uh, eight weeks, so it's an eight-week study, it'll be not in this room, right, Cheryl, but it's in this building. In a different room, 9.30 to 11, same time as Heartstrings, but for eight weeks. So if you want to keep going in the Word and want to do a Beth Moore study, um, that's always fun to, to get into that. So, But there will be no child care for that. So, But I don't see many young moms here, so I don't think... <laughs> no child care for that. So anyway, so that's exciting. That's So you can keep going with that. And the other thing is, on your table you'll see the pink cards. Those are sign-ups for next year's Heartstrings. Um, so... Fill those out if you want to stay in your table that you're at right now. Um, and you've really got a great group that you'd love to stay with. Make sure you put those names down, what your, what your desire is. Because when we get together in August, we don't know you all as well as Patty does. And so any help that you guys can give us to put you at the right table, we want to make sure that it's where you want to be. Um, and so we will so sign up, put who you want to be with, and we'll do our best. And if things are not the way you want... Um, we can always switch you around, too, so that's not a problem. Um, but maybe it's a year that you want to get to know some other people, gals, too. So just let us know what it is your desire is for Heartstrings next year. Um, and I think that's all for announcements. Um, yeah. I um, When I started working on this lesson... Um, I just, I was just sort of an emotional wreck through emotional season, and I really wasn't, didn't have my heart in getting, getting going to put this lesson together. Um, and um, it's kind of the end of the year, and I'm kind of wrapping things up, um, but it's an amazing topic for me to talk about. I just have such a desire to talk about the Holy Spirit, which is what we're going to talk about later. Um, but I just couldn't get myself right in the right place. And I thought, maybe some of you guys are in the same place. And so in order for us to, to get into the right mode, I thought it would be fun to go on a little vacation together. Just to take a little journey together. So, um, your first question is for you to go back in your memories and discuss um, a fun vacation you took or a special memory that you had on one of your vacations. So go ahead and get started with that. Um, on our vacation. The last full day of our vacation was especially memorable. We decided to take a float trip with a guide and fly fish. Um, 
on the Snake River. It was a spectacular day. We were to float the 21-mile strip called the Canyons. The sky was a brilliant blue without a cloud, and the temperature was warm. It was a perfect day to be on the river. We met our guide early in the morning, and we drove to the river, pulling the boat behind us. Upon arriving at the put-in, we helped our guide slip our boat into the cool, crystal clear water of the Snake River. The water was so clear that you could see the bottom and the beautiful, round, colorful boulders glistening deep in the water. I was positioned in the front of the boat. Our guide was in the middle and Chris was in the back. We pushed off from shore and started floating down the river, our guide rowing and maneuvering the boat around any obstacles in our way and hopefully to some memorable catches. At this point, I should describe a little bit about fly fishing. They call it fly fishing because the goal is to imitate how a fly or a bug would land and look on the water to the unsuspecting fish below. Your rod has a long fishing line on it and you fly with a fly attached to the end. You whip the rod with a long line back and forth through the air until you can gently lay the fly onto the flowing water just as if it was a real bug. The fly then floats down the river hopefully getting the attention of the hungry fish below. The stretch of water that we floated that day was called the canyons because of the spectacular rock cliffs lining the water. We were in the middle of the Grand Teton Mountains. It was a beautiful stretch of water with national forests all around. There were granite cliffs for stretches broken up by forested green pastures and grassy openings with tall birch and fir trees. Large bald eagles and golden eagles soared above, scoping out the river for fish fish to snatch out of the water. It was one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been. Our guide knows the river well, where the fish will be hiding, where they will be looking for bugs, and what type of bugs the fish look at this time of the year, or what the fish like at this time of the year. He not only steers the boat around the dangerous boulders sticking out of the water, but he also maneuvers the boat to where the fish may be lurking, and then instructs, uh, instructs you in the proper technique to catch and land a fish. The guide watches the water with his trained eyes and can see when the fish rises to the top of the water and creates a distinctive ripple in the water or when it turns right under the surface of the water and flashes its distinctive under- underbelly to the untrained eye. This all goes unnoticed, but it's not missed by the attentive gaze of our guide. Chris and I, with both with rods and hands, we whipped our fishing lines back and forth, attempting to land our fly where the guide director directed. Chris, being much more experienced, was much more proficient in it than I. I, however, had the choice position the front of the boat. My fly would hit the water ahead of the boat, and before Chris's fly, it would be the first to float above the waiting fish. Being the novice that I was, many times my fly would just plop or flop into the water, scaring away any potential fish. But Chris and our guide were very patient with my many attempts at a perfect cast. If two people fish at the same boat, there needs to be a certain rhythm. With the long fishing lines that are being flung, whipped back and forth, you need to take turns casting your lines. As the boat floats downstream, so does your fly, and it can only be in the water for so long before you have to pick it up and cast it again. If both Chris and I ended up casting at the same time, there was a very good chance that our lines whipping through the air would become entangled. We would then pull in our lines and our guide would untangle our mess, and this happened on many occasions. I would pull my fly out the the same time as Chris, and in an instant we would be a tangled mess. Our patient guide would happily untangle the mess and, if necessary, tie on a new fly. In time, we developed a rhythm. I would cast and float my fly, and Chris would do the same with his fly, and then I would lift my fly after a successful drift and cast it again. Chris would do the same, casting to the places that the guide would tell us to. This rhythm continued as we drifted down the Snake River. Of course, the object is to catch some fish and for the, for, the fly, for the fish to hit your fly. In the crystal clear waters, you would have the advantage of actually seeing the fish rise and take a look at your fly and hopefully grab at it. 
It takes great patience to wait for the fish to grab a fly. My automatic reaction upon seeing a fish was to be so excited that I would immediately lift my rod before the fish had any opportunity to, to grab the fly. Our guide would applaud my attempt but remind me that I needed to be more patient. After your many misses, I eventually hooked a fish. And this is where it really gets exciting because the fish are very wise and they have the advantage of knowing the river much better than you do. If you are not careful, they swim the opposite direction and can break free from your line. The object is to now keep tension on your line the whole time with one hand and pull in the line with the other, a very tricky feat for a novice such as myself. This can take some time, but eventually, if you're successful, you pull the fish close enough to the boat for your guide to slip a net under the fish and pull it into the boat. Upon landing the fish, there is much whooping and hollering and high-fiving and picture-taking. Everyone looks into the net of the beautiful fish and says, What a beautiful fish. In the water, the fish look grayish-brown, but when you see it with the sunlight glistening off its body, it's a brilliant rainbow of colors. A gorgeous sight. The viewing is short-lived, however, as the guide very carefully removes the hook from the fish's mouth and gently lifts the fish from the net and lowers it back into the cool, clear water of the river. Yes. You do not catch the fish to keep them, but you catch the fish to look at their glory and then you release them unharmed into the water. It's a great celebration for everyone on that boat, every individual catch to be remembered and talked about for all time. Our morning drifted away quickly as we floated along peacefully, interrupted periodically by the thrill of the catch. By noon, the day was um, had changed from a cool, refreshing morning to the warmth of the afternoon sun. It was time to pull off the river and find a green pasture to refresh and relax. Our guide provided us with a beautiful lunch, a bountiful lunch, and a cooler full of icy cold drinks. The break was welcome not only to fill our stomachs, but to rest our weary arms that were not used to all that whipping of our rods. We sat with our guide and enjoyed our picnic lunch and rested and refreshed our bodies. After the break, we pulled away from the side of the shore launch and continued on downstream. The afternoon unfolded much like our morning casting, floating our fly, being directed and instructed by our guide with the occasional interruptions of another catch, followed the same, by the same exclamation every time of that was a beautiful fish. One moment memorable catch by Chris deserved special attention along the river are certain areas that are called riffles. And these are areas where the rocks that are under the water are piled so high that they almost reach the surface, creating the water to riffle and reflect the glistening sunlight. With the water appearing so shallow, it would seem that no fish would be lurking in that area. Our guide pointed out this area to Chris and directed him to land his fly in the riffle. Chris whipped his long line back and forth and cast his line over the area and landed his fly directly where the guide had pointed to. Out of nowhere, the biggest fish of the day attached Chris's fly. Chris hooked the fish and landed that spectacular catch. This big, big, beautiful brown trout was memorable not only for its beauty and size, but because it appeared out of nowhere, visible only by our guide's trained eye. The day passed too quickly, but like all thing, good things, it came to an end, forever written on our, in our memories as a very special day. I write this in my journal as a reminder of how God wants us to float down this river called life. As believers, we, we can have an amazing guide known as the Holy Spirit, who can teach us and train us, untangle our messes, refresh our weary souls, and guide us to unseen blessings and rememberable catches. Too often we try to do it ourselves, to make our own way down the river of life. To our untrained eye, we crash into boulders, we snag our lines on low branches, we miss our targets, and we never catch the intended prizes that God has in store for us, all because we don't seek out the free gift of the Holy Spirit as our guide. I've been captivated by the thought of leading a spirit-filled life. In the book of Romans 8, Paul is talking to believers, and he says in verse 6, that a life lived by the Spirit is life and it's peace. 
so many times I try to live my life by my own sinful nature, doing it my own way. Paul instructs us that this living only leads to death. He is talking to believers here, so I don't believe he is referring to spiritual death, but rather an unproductive life, one without eternal blessings or harvests. Contrast that with the spirit-led life where Paul says we find peace and we find life. We can have this, we have this source within us, each one of us, if we as believers choose to be led by the Holy Spirit, moment by moment. I wrote this story in 2008, and as you know, um, Ted came down with cancer in 2009, and we struggled with that for two years. Um, and uh, I, there's one thing I couldn't do with Ted when he was so sick, is I could not talk to him about anything spiritual. When Susan went there, he would say, don't go there, Mom, don't go there, Mom. And um, he had lots of conversations with Patty, but never with his mom, and it was my desire to talk to him about this. Well... The cool thing about the Holy Spirit is he had me write this down, this story down. And Tad's absolute favorite thing in the whole world to do is go fly fishing and fly fishing with his dad. So a a few months before he passed away and I was just struggling so much, I remembered this story I had written down three years earlier. And and then at the end of it, I added, I, I took a little bit of liberty with David's words in one of his psalms, but I added this at the very end. I said, the Lord is my fishing guide, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet and riffled waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of right living for his name's sake. Even though I float through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no, fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your oar, they comfort me. You prepare a meal before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with suntan lotion and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will chase after me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And I got to share that with Tad, and he listened to the whole thing. And I could hear what my heart was saying. And I really believe the Holy Spirit um, just it gave me that a story and then gave me the ability to talk to Tad about that. And, I, I, and that was just the beginning of my journey, journey with really trying to figure out what the Holy Spirit is all about. And that brings us to our story today, or what we're gonna, our topic today. What I really want all of you to know, and that is um, that we have this person of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. What does that mean to us as believers? And, and how, what, how do we get more in touch with, with what the Holy Spirit has to say to us, to each one of us. Um, and I'm really excited about that. We've divided it into two parts. One, we're going to talk about um, what Jesus says or what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. This may be repetitive for some of you, but hopefully will remind us of what that's about. second half is a little bit more of an application of how we listen to the Holy Spirit more, how we can get more in touch with that. So, um, what I want, where I want to start with this, um, I, I really wanted to let you know that one of the things that's, the analogy that's wrong with my Holy Spirit story is that um, the guy is that someone outside of our bodies. We know the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And, um, and, and um, he's, we get to not only know that he's in us, but we get to experience his feelings, his emotions. And we become one with what the Spirit is inside of us. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.17, I think I put this on your notes, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And um, But what makes the Holy Spirit so hard to understand is it is inside us, and we don't see it. And that is the reason I have the verse at the top of the, of the, of the um of your lesson today, and that's Second uh, Corinthians four eighteen, and I absolutely love this verse. It says, "So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, 
But what is unseen is eternal. I just love that. It just gives a constant reminder. What am I to be fixing my eyes on? What am I to be concentrating on? Um, so the first thing I wanted you to ask, just to start out, just ask around your tables, um, the first question is, how often do you think about the Holy Spirit? Just how often do you think about it? Do you, just around your tables. Very simple question. So go ahead and go. Okay. Um, so we're going to start in the first part. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? Um, I want you to open up your Bibles to John. I always, if I, as I taught before, my favorite place to go is the Gospels. I always want to see what Jesus has to say about things, first and foremost. So I went, go to John, uh, chapter 14. And while you're turning to that, I was, it was brought to my attention I missed the first blank. I have lots of blanks today, so when I do that, you just let me know. But the first blank to fill in is we have this amazing guy with us every day, and that is the person. When you think of it as a person of the Holy Spirit. So, thanks. Hopefully you can keep up with the filling in of the blank thing. <laughs> All right, so we're going to turn to John chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 10. And this is Jesus speaking. Now, Jesus talked most about the Holy... He talked about throughout his ministry, but he hit us a lot with it at the end of, of his ministry. After working with these three, walking with his disciples for three years, that's when he really got into teaching them about what is the Holy Spirit. And um, so this is right before the end of his life. And in, in, on John 14, verses 10 through 14, it says... This is Jesus speaking here. Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. So listen up, ladies, it says. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Will be doing what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So Jesus doesn't actively speak of the Spirit, but he talks about how he operates his life. It's how he does life. He, he says that the Father is in him and because the Father is in him, he does his work through him is what he says in verse 10. And then he goes on to say that those who have faith in Jesus will do even greater things. How is this possible? I want you to uh, talk around your tables about this. It's, uh, what do you think about the phrase, I, will, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the, to the Father. So talk about that a little bit. What do you think about that? Wow, what a promise. Greater things, he says, you will do than what I have been doing. Now, they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit this time. They're just hearing what Jesus is saying. He's, he's, about, to, um, he, he, he's about to face his death. And, he's, and, and, and they've seen him do amazing miracles. And then now he, they, he says that they will be doing even greater things. Um, they have to just be hanging on his every word as he's saying these things. And he goes on in verse 15. And he goes on and he says, If you love me, 
You will obey what I command, he says. If you love and if you obey, then you will obey me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. The world, the unbelieving world, those that do not love the Lord and and do not obey him, the unbelieving world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor accepts him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. On that day, you will, this is verse 20, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. So, what does Jesus say here? He says, one, that um, Jesus will ask the Father to send us the counselor, the spirit of truth. And two, we, and that's one of your blanks, we will know him for he lives with us and he will be in us. The spirit of truth will be inside each one of us. That's just got to be, um, for them, uh, hard to even imagine what that's about. I mean, they see Jesus. He's this physical thing. What is he talking about, this counselor that's going to come be in us? Um, and it's, But what's so neat about it, it's, it's the very same relationship that Jesus had with the Father, where the Father was in him, telling him what to do then we're going to have that same relationship where the Father's going to be in Jesus. Jesus is going to be um, tell the Spirit what to do. And that Spirit is going to be in us. So we're going to have that exact same experience that Jesus had. Um, So let's read on. Verse uh, 14, 14, verse 23. Let's jump to 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Now he says that again. So it's a second time. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So this Counselor, this Holy Spirit, will teach, is the first word, as us all things, and then remind, is the second word, us of what Jesus has said to us. In our case, we see it, what Jesus says it through the word. So I've got another question for you. How, how often, when you're reading the Word and you're praying, do you sense that the Holy Spirit is teaching you? Or in your everyday occurrences, are you reminded of something that Jesus or the Bible has taught you? How often does that happen? Or talk around your tables when you feel a sense that you're reminded of something that, that the Bible has said to you, or Jesus is teaching you as you're reading? Because I think that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So talk on their tables about that. Okay. So Jesus has given us given his disciples a certain amount of information, and then a little later he teaches us again about that. Um, that we've been reading in chapter fourteen in John. We're going to now skip on to chapter fifteen or sixteen, verse thirteen, when Jesus speaks a little further, or seven. 16 verse 7, John 16 verse 7. And I just want to make an interesting note here that um, that right between what Jesus taught in 14 and what, what and what he taught in 16 is chapter 15. And that's the chapter about what? What is that about? You, you know, re- remaining in me. I just think it's just interesting to note that because it's just uh, it's just put together so well to how, how um, on the Holy Spirit. But So, chapter 16, verse 7, this is what he teaches us further about the Holy Spirit. Um, But I tell you the truth, so listen up, he says. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
um, it's, again, it's this idea of Jesus sending us the counselor, and he says, it's for your good. How can they, can they imagine that it can be for their good? Jesus is leaving them. He's telling them he's going away, but it's for your good that I'm going away because I'm going to send this counselor to you. They've got to just be shaking their heads. Ah, and then in verse 13 it says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus says. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So this is a new, a new thought to, to them. The Spirit only speaks what he hears or what is known from Jesus. So the Spirit speaks what he hears from Jesus and from what Jesus has from the Father. I love this. It's the it's that it's it's the the whole the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. That idea of the Father speaks to Jesus. Jesus speaks to the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit tells us, tells our spirits. And I just love that idea, that combination, that idea of the Trinity. Um, and I, it's, and I, I just think that the, uh, the disciples. What are they? What could they be thinking about this? Um, and then. He leaves. That's, that's all we know that he teaches in John. He, he leaves. He's, he's crucified. He's resurrected. And then he comes back. And he has more to teach them. But now he's not Jesus like they knew him before. He is the resurrected Jesus. So you can imagine, they are, they have got his full attention right now. He comes back. And we're going to switch, go to Acts 1. So move forward into the book of Acts, and we're going to look at 4, starting about halfway through that verse, 4b. So here they're just hanging on his every word. It's the resurrected Christ speaking to them. And he says to them in Acts 1, 4b, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. He's calling it a gift, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This has got to just blow their mind. They're going to be baptized with the... Do they even know what he's talking about? It's got to be just so incredible for them to be hearing these words for the first time. We read the Bible, we knowing the whole truth. But they're hearing this for the first time. They're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're supposed to go and they're supposed to wait. What in the world does that mean? A few verses later in verse 1... Verse uh, ch- uh, chapter 1 verse 8 he says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth so with the Holy Spirit comes a power and what I want to make a note of here is it's not Holy Spirit and power it's the Holy Spirit is power when we talk of God's attributes, we, we think of them as an add-on. God is, is, is sovereign, he's holy, he's all these extra things. But it's his very essence of who he is. It's he cannot be anything but powerful. He cannot be anything but holy. He cannot be anything but everywhere. That is who he is. That's his essence. So when he says the Holy Spirit will come with power, that is what we have in us. Not just coming fleeting here and there. But that Holy Spirit is power living in us. And why will we receive that power? It says to be Jesus' witnesses. That's your next fill-in. 
He says, you are going to receive power to be my witnesses. And those are Jesus' very last words. Don't you know how important they must have been to Jesus? They're his last words. He was then taken up before them, in, in, right in front of them. And so the, the disciples, of course, did what they said. They, went to, they returned to Jerusalem and they waited. And the day of Pentecost came. You all know about that, um, where the tongues of fire came. And, and all the different languages were, were being spoken, but everybody understood all the different languages. And they're just, it's very confusing to everybody. But then Peter speaks up. And so this is what Peter now says about the Holy Spirit. He is now filled himself with the Holy Spirit. And he says, God has raised this Jesus to life. And and this is in Acts 2, verse 32, by the way. Sorry. It says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. There's that idea of being a witness again. We saw this. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So the people, it says, the people were cut to the, to the throat, to the heart, and they asked, well, then what can we do? What can we do? Peter goes on in verse 38. He says, repent and be baptized in every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Up until now, he's been talking to the disciples. Now he's talking to all these other believers out there or all these other people. If they do, if they repent and are baptized, now you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. I wonder who he's speaking to there, the far offs. I think that's us. For all whom the Lord our God will call. That is you and me. That's who he, who those he is called. Those who are believers, we are those that are far off. The God who God has called, and we too will receive the Holy Spirit. That's another blank. If we repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our, of our sins, is what the Scripture says. If we believe that Jesus came to do what He said He came to do. Be, be the, the substitute will forgive us our sins and we, we see him as the son of God then we too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit it is for all of whom God the Lord has called it says God chose us That those words has called um, I think often when we come to know the Lord we think it's because we made this decision I made this decision I, I, I believe yes I did this but We have to remember that God first called us. He's out there wooing us. He's out there looking for us. He's out there trying to find us, pull us out of our lives, out of our sin. He is the one that comes to us. He calls us first. I just think that's so important to think that it's not about us. It's not about us saying yes. Yes, it's great that we do that. We have that ability. God's given us that freedom. But he first called us. We all know that um, song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the song, that's the saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I, now I see. So the king of kings have wooed us. He searched for us. He's found us. We have responded. What do you feel about that? How does that, what does that make you feel? I want you to talk around your tables, to be called, to have been chosen, to have been found. When you were lost by the king of, when you were lost and found by the king of kings, what does that mean to you? And does that have any special sense of responsibility? He called you. I think that is so terribly humbling to know that 
when we were out there lost and fumbling around in the world, God was wooing us. He was calling us. He was trying to get our hearts, trying to grab our attention. He's constantly doing that. That is so humbling to me to think about. So often we think of the word as called as like, um, I have a calling to be a, a missionary, a call to do this, or a call to be in leadership, or whatever. He calls all of us, all of us, to be witnesses. That's what his calling is for all of us. He's wooed us and we've responded. Um, I think that's really humbling. Because we could be all out there lost like so many people in this world. Lately I've been coming to understand or I've been thinking a lot about the humanness of God or of Jesus. You know, we, we, we see him as this, the God is just this, uh, uh, um, we see his, his holiness and his godliness so often. But I've been really struck by the fact that he was fully human. He was fully human, just like you and I. And, and that's why I wanted to go to that passage earlier where it talked about how Jesus related to the Father. He, in, in a lot of ways, we are just like Jesus. In that, how do we, how do we, other than that we're not God, obviously, but, but we, but we, um, but like Jesus went to the Father to, to understand what, what, who He was. We need to go to the Father to understand who we are. No different than Jesus. To become our full potential, we need to go to, to, to find out what, um, who He created us to be, is to go to fa- the Father. Jesus, obviously, when He was born, there's no way He could have known He was the Son of God. He was an infant. He was a child. How did He figure that out? How did He get that information? He was just, He was a human. He was God, but he was fully human, the Bible teaches us. How did he figure that out? I think he, as, as he drew near to the Lord, he found out who he really was. The more time he spent with him, how he kept going away, there would be so many things pulling at his heart, but he would go away, he would be all by himself to find out who he really was. The human side of, of Jesus needed to do that. We, as humans, we need to do that too, to find out who we really are, who we really have been created to be. So, where am I going with this? I have no idea. <laughs> So, in order for us to really figure out who we are, um, we have to be in touch with God and, 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 such a, and His Spirit, and how that Spirit manifests itself in, in us to become all that we have been created to be. And that brings us to um, our second part. How do we get this deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit? How do, we, how do we go about that? I need to say a huge disclaimer here, because there is, this is a lifetime of study for all of you. I mean, for all of us to, to understand what it is, because because it is unseen. Um, um, it's, it's, it's hard to understand a, the spirit world, because we were born into the physical world, and now we have the spiritual world, so it's hard to, so it takes a huge amount of, of time to, to really figure this out. But I have a question for you. I want you to talk around your tables, just to get us going on this. If you could be better at hearing or understanding the Holy Spirit's leading and instructing, would you want that? I think the obvious answer is yes, of course I would want that. But I want you to be honest here. Does it seem a little weird? Does it seem, uh, maybe to feel a little like out there or charismatic? And I just want you to go around and just talk for a little bit about, how, describe how you feel about trying to really get in touch more with the Holy Spirit. In uh, 2008, um, 
my spiritual walk took a huge, giant step. Um, I, I told you before that I've been in Bible studies for a long time, and I, I've known the Lord for a long time. But in 2008, for whatever reason, the Spirit was stirring in me, and what He was saying was, "I want you to uh, just to to learn more about me. I want you to just figure out what I'm all about." And so, the summer of 2008, that's all I did. All I did was read everything I could on the Holy Spirit. I would look at Scripture. I would just dive in to see what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. What was this about? And as I was writing, I would be writing in it, I would be questioning, what is this? I don't get this verse. I don't understand this. And, and I, as I was journaling, and I, would, I would just went through this whole process, um, and it was a, um, a start. I can't say that I came to the, any kind of ending or conclusion of that, but it was just, it was just a journey that I, um, that just made such a difference in my life. I mean, it just was the, I think, one of the big turning points in, in my understanding of who God was in my life and who I was in my life. And um, it was at the end of that summer when I wrote that little crude story. And that came to me that what really hit me about that story is that when I compared it to be floating down a river, I thought how absolutely absurd it would be if I decided to fly fish by myself down the Snake River in a boat, rowing the boat around boulders, trying to figure out how to tie a fly on, trying, trying to figure out how to, to put the fly in the water, trying to figure out how to get food. Um, I mean, it would be absolutely absurd trying to do that. But yet, in our own lives, so many times, we just figure we can do it on our own. We just figure we can do it. And it, I think that's what hit me the most about that story. It's just a, it's an absurd thought to think that I could do it on my own. So, um, but um, that summer, I was thirsting for it. I wanted it. I craved it. And um, the Lord responded to that desire in my heart. Um, the first point I want you to think about, how to come a deeper, have you establish a deeper relationship, is that one, you must want it. The, the blank is you, the first blank. The second blank is you must desire it. The third blank is you must crave it, and also you must seek out the Holy Spirit to experience it in greater ways. It's all about you. Um, no one else can do this for you. It is all about you. A.W. Tozer says in, um, about it, he says, Every Christian can have a copious outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a measure far beyond that received at conversion. Before we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, the desire to be filled must be all-consuming. It must be, for the time, the biggest thing in life, so acute, so intrusive, as to crowd out everything else. The desire is, is big. You have to really want to know the Spirit. It's not something that anybody else can do for you. You have to do it on your, on your own. Um, and you have to be com- committed to it. There's this nugget when you become a, a, a believer of the Holy Spirit inside you. It may be a spark. It may be. But we have to nurture that. We have to, f- to flame it into um, to understand it more. Um, we have to do our, our work in that. And the way to do that is to get in the Bible and read it. And see what it says about it, and then pull out your journal and write everything that you question or think about it, cross-reference it, read other things about it. Um, the desire has to be so overcome, overwhelming that that's just what you, you want to you want to study it. You want to know what it's all about. Um, and when things are lifted off the pages for you, when you see something that is a spark as you're reading, 
Write it down. You may, I, in my journal, there are things that I have absolutely no idea why I wrote that down that day. But later, looking back, I can see that it, there's a pattern there. If there's something that just, oh, I love this verse. This is the verse that I, that I just know the Lord is saying to me. Write it in your journal. And then write down what you're saying about, what, what you're feeling about that as you're writing it down. Be sensitive to what the Spirit is doing as you're reading the, the, His Word. His Word is alive. It's living. It is not dead. It is a lie. Take your brain, that is the left side is all this reasoning part, and add to it the right side, which is all your thinking and your feeling and your emotions, and put it together. The right side is also the creative side. Maybe in order to do that, you need to go for a, a walk or be out in nature or, or turn on music. Whatever touches your soul, touches your spirit, be in tune with that kind of thing. And, and just be looking for, where, what are you saying to me, God, about this? I'm looking for this. I'm searching this. I want to know. Do you think God will not tell you what you're searching for, what you're absolutely wanting to know about? If you seek me, you will find me, he says. So in, in, when it comes to that, you have to have this desire to want to do that. Ponder all these things. Wrestle with your in your heart what it is that you struggle with. Um, and all these random um, scriptures, put them down. Those ones that you love. Those are the ones the Lord is speaking especially to you about. And at the same time, you need to be praying. Um, Charles Finney, I put in there, and this is so ridiculous that I'm teaching this lesson on the Holy Spirit, and we didn't start off praying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just like, oh my gosh! If ever there was a day that I wanted to start off praying, it was today. But I've been praying for us for the, for for a couple weeks during my fast. But right now, let's pray Lord uh, Charles Finney's prayer. He says, Lord, I want to pray for an immediately, immediate outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, throughout this whole day, Lord, that's what we want. We want the Holy Spirit, Spirit to just pour into our hearts. Set us aflame, Lord Jesus. Be with us. May our words and our thoughts and our actions be only yours. In your holy, mighty, glorious name we pray these things. Amen. So, do what I didn't do. First, go to the Lord and <laughs> pray that prayer. That particular prayer, as I was reading about it, um, they said just amazing things happened when you prayed that prayer. Especially in a group setting. There was just um, amazing outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the immediate outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Just see what happens in your life. Um, Henry Nowen says, and it's another group thing that I have. It, uh, your, oh, your second point. Quiet yourself in prayer and ask. This is the blank for the Holy Spirit's outpouring. Ask. Ask and it will be given to you. That's what Jesus said in his saying, don't you think this is one of the things he wants to give you more than anything? Ask for the Holy Spirit's outpouring. Henry Nowen says, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live the spiritual life. And at some point, you have to stop looking outside, to outside sources, to what books say, maybe even to what the Word says. And you have to sometimes just sit in your own quiet moments of solitude and see what the Lord is saying directly to you. Um, it's all about connecting with the mind of Christ, that it's the Spirit of God inside you. Um, I want to turn to chapter 1, uh, or 1 Corinthians in our Bibles, chapter 2. And this is what Paul says about the Holy Spirit. It's, I'm going to read the whole chapter and then just give you some highlights of it, some bullet points. So our 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
And they're talking all about wisdom here. This is what Paul says. And remember, Paul is just a human, just like all of us. There's nothing special about Paul. He says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Paul was a very wise man and a very learned man. But he says he didn't come to him with that wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's all they wanted to know about Jesus. All that other information is gone. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. They were talking about the power again there. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Those are the believers. But not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. A wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, I love this, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, same thing. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, those, the unbelievers. We don't have that Spirit, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, express spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes the judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So it's talking about a whole other level, the spiritual level. How do we... Um, there's just so much that it says here. And I just made some, some bullet points here and, and for you to fill in and it, of, of what all this is said here. Just some highlights of this. Because there's so much there. Our own knowledge or wisdom is nothing. It says right at the beginning. Our own knowledge is nothing. But God has a secret... Wisdom. So secret is the second blank. A hidden wisdom destined for our glory. No eye can see it, nor mind conceive. Our minds can't even conceive what God has prepared for us. God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit that's inside us, this Holy Spirit, searching the deep things of God. No one knows the thoughts of God but the Spirit. We don't. We wouldn't possibly know it except for this. No one knows the thoughts of God but the Spirit who is from God. So that other blank is knows. We have received the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. 
It's the reason for the Holy Spirit. And the spiritual man or woman has the mind of Christ. Did you get all those blanks filled in? The spiritual man or woman has the mind, is the last blank of Christ. So what it's saying, we can't discern this stuff except for with the spirit inside of us, telling us. We have to connect with on the spiritual level. So quiet yourself in the secret places, in your quiet moments, and reach out to know the mind of God, or the mind of Christ. So as you get in your quiet place, as you get in your, your um, solitude, as you, as you study the word, as you're studying it, um, the next thing is to focus on God and, and Jesus Christ. Um, remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. So focus on Jesus, on his face. Um, think of him where you most want to think of him as. Um, if you love walking, think of him walking with you. When I go into my quiet time, I think of him sitting next to me. When um, um, Maybe now that I've been to Israel, I can imagine him on that boat in Galilee, um, or on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, wherever you can imagine that Jesus is, think of him. Every morning I go in, when I go into my quiet time, I think of the Lord on his throne in glory. That's the, the verse I always go to, because I, I want to know he's there right now. And if I'm going to go thinking about him in my quiet time, I don't want to have any other distractions coming in. I want to just be focused on what Jesus is saying, who he is, who God is. Because there are there's other spiritual things out there, too, that can get in the way that we we don't want to be thinking about. We want to be thinking only what 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 um, about about the Lord and Jesus. And we want to take whatever we're, we're thinking about and put it Make sure that it's, it's lining up what Scripture says, too. Guard, we want to guard our hearts against anything that's not of God, not of what, this, what Jesus would want us to know. Um, so it's, a, it's sort of an ethereal thing to think, okay, um, I, just, I want what you want, Jesus, so I'm concentrating on who he is and what he is. Picture yourselves just spending time with him. Um, and then as, you, as you're picturing him, as you're getting thoughts and as you're, getting emo- as you're feeling his emotions, write those down in your journal. Um, and that's point number four. So just write down, journal, any spontaneous thoughts or feelings that you experience or scriptures that come to mind. Um, be thinking about... Um, but making sure that, that what you're what you're thinking is lining up with scripture and um, and see just see where what the where the Lord takes you with this. Um, it's really been exciting for me um, to just to dwell on some of my spontaneous thoughts and as I've if I, as I've as I've been doing this as I've been journaling as I've been writing down what I see in scripture as I've been reading every once in a while I'll get just a, a couple words and. Um, They'll come to me and I'll start writing about that. And I will make a poem or I'll do some whatever creative thing. I, but it's just been so fun to see because I don't know where those two words are going to go. Um, a couple weeks ago I wrote you, I read the, the what if. That was all the words that I got. I just said, you know, I spelled the, the Lord wanted me to write about what if this was our last day. And so I started writing it. And it's like it created, it was, as I was writing, it, 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 it 
it, it, it became out on the page. It wasn't me writing. It was what, what I just felt um, it just kind of flowed out. I've done this with emotions, too. I, I'm struggling with something that I really, I'm very sad about something, so I will start writing about it. And I will put it in my journal, and I'll say, I just, I just can't stand this. This is just driving me nuts. I will start writing about it. What do you think, Lord? How do you, what do you want me to think about this, Jesus? And, I, and, and it, 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 there will be a process where, as you continue to, to just concentrate on what Jesus is saying to you, what's in your heart, you, you can solve your problems by writing them out. It's like giving the spiritual world something physical. And the beautiful thing about it is that you can go back and you can look at it later. And you can say, I think the Lord was saying this to me. Um, I think he was trying to teach me about being patient. I think he was trying to teach me about how I need to. Con- I just need to be um, attached to him. I don't need to be attached to anything else. Um, I, it's, just, it's just an amazing way as you journal about what's going on in your life and you're sensitive to what the Lord is saying to see where it leads. Just where does it flow? Where does it go? Um, and uh, one of my favorite verses um, that I that I've loved since I since I remember reading it 33 years ago when um, um, I first became a believer uh, is John 7:38 and it says whoever believes in me as the Scripture has said streams of living water will flow from within him. I just love that idea. John goes on in verse 39 to explain what Jesus meant by that. He says, By this he meant the Spirit, whom whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So he's talking about the Spirit. Out of our hearts will flow these rivers, out of our bellies, some, some verses say, will flow rivers of living water. I want you to ask a question around um, some of your tables, some of your experiences. Have you experienced this bubbling up, this living water flowing without you, um, from within? Um, can maybe just one or two of you around your tables talk about a time when you feel like the Lord is really bubbling up this idea. He was really um, making me aware of this issue or whatever it is. Um, and maybe someone that hasn't spoken. Or, I know this is a really touchy subject, so maybe some of the more quiet ones wouldn't want to talk about that, but um, just think about, what, is there anyone or two of you around your tables that can talk about a time when you felt this, that the Lord is really working in your heart and bubbling up an idea or a thought? So, go ahead. Is that clear? Okay, maybe some of you are saying, yeah, I, I felt this bubbling up, and maybe some of you are sitting there saying, I don't get this, I don't understand anything about this. Um, um, and I, I want to do an illustration of something that, that, that really has helped me um, think about how I can really tune into the Holy Spirit, or why when, I, when it's not, when I'm really feeling just cold and, and and it's, I don't feel that I'm getting anything or the Lord is speaking to me at all. Um, I think there's there's two reasons why, if you're not feeling that you're very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, there's two reasons. And, and one, we talk a lot about, those just distractions that come from without. Uh, our lives are busy, and we have constantly distractions in there are our phones and our, our TVs. We talk about that a lot. But there's another distraction that I think is just as important, are probably more important, actually. <laughs> That's the, 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 the inside, uh, our, our, our inside selfish flesh. And I want to um, make an illustration here. I, uh, one of the, I, I've got four containers here, and this is a 
wine glass, and what do we put in this? We put wine here. This you may not know it yet, but it is a beer, root beer, stuff. Yeah. So we, what do we put in here? Yeah. Um, you don't know this glass, but this is my orange juice glass in the morning. <laughs> and this one is, we all love this, or some of us love this. Yes, our coffee cup. Okay. We know we are a, yes, a vessel. We are a container too. What are we to fill ourselves with? The Holy Spirit, yes. Okay, so now if I take a wine glass and I fill it halfway filled with wine and then I take a little bit of beer and I fill it a little bit of beer and then I put a little orange juice in there, what is this taste? What does this taste like? It, it, it's disgusting. If I took any of these things, put orange juice and some beer and some, you know, I mean, coffee, it would just, it's, it would be of absolutely no use. The same thing happens when we put so much of ourself and all we're thinking about is our self-interest, our self-control, our um, selfish desires. The more we put self into our life, how in the world can the Holy Spirit have its way? It doesn't make sense. It says that the flesh is at war with the spirit. And it literally is. How in the world can we really hear if we're always thinking of our own selfish desires? If, if our will is, is, uh, is our will and not God's will, it, how in the world? It's so diluted. It's so, um, it, it's, it's absolutely of no use at that point. And I think um, that's very discouraging to think because we are, that's where we are. So, and I'm not here to discourage you, but what, um, uh, what I want to say is that that spirit that's in us can help us with that. We have to draw on, hit on, on the Holy Spirit to help us with ourselves. Get, get me out of the way, Lord. Take this terrible thing. Re- repent of whatever it is. My selfish desires, I, 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 these things that are getting in the way of you, repent of them and give them to him. He's big enough. He can take those things. If that's your desire, you really want to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. I love another verse I've loved, and it came to me a lot in that year of uh, 2008. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I. Uh, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave myself gave Himself for me. I say that over and over. And I have been crucified with Christ. Um, and this getting um, ourselves out of the way is another whole, whole lesson. But what I want you to take away from that is that the more that you put yourself into, into, this, into yourself, the more you're into yourself, the less the Holy Spirit can have his way in you. Um, and, but the Holy Spirit will help us with that. And the other beautiful thing about that is that then we get ourselves out of the way and we become who God created us to be, who we were supposed to be. Um, I, I, I read this book late, recently, The Mud and the Masterpiece. I may have mentioned it before, but God has created us to be masterpieces. And we're just all muddied over messes. And we are created to be so much more. And the way to find that out is to get ourselves out of the way and think more of what the Holy Spirit has to say. 
Um, question for you here, if it, it, is this worth it, this struggle, this, this listening to the Holy Spirit, this work that you need to do, this giving up of yourself, is it worth it to you? Um, I want you to decide. I just read through chapter Second uh, Corinthians, and you can do this later at your own leisure if you'd like but 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4 and I just gonna these are some of the highlights that I put on your notes um, what what they said here you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts known and read by everyone you show that you are a letter of Christ written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts we all are a letter that Christ writes on our hearts I think that's a beautiful thought not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves but our competence comes from God that idea you can't row your boat yourself and be a fly fisherman you can only be competent in what God wants you to be Um, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? It's talking about how glorious this will be. How much greater is the glory of that which lasts? This glory of looking at the Holy Spirit, that's so much, it's, it's eternal. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I love this idea, that we are constantly being transformed to reflect the Lord's glory. And then the next bullet point. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Therefore, we do not lose sight, lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, and I I love this because I'm getting older. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving up for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I just love that. Um, I put some uh, further reading that if you uh, if you want to look at just some of the books that I just have had looked through at different times. But I want to read out of one of them, Andrew Murray, um, and all of the. I don't know. I just want to read this to you. Uh, Whenever mention is made of Jesus as our keeper, Jesus is going to keep us uh, in the Holy Spirit, it is often difficult to believe that we who are on the earth can really know ourselves to be always without interruption in his hands and under his power. How much clearer and more glorious the truth becomes when the Spirit reveals to us that Christ is in us. He is in us, not only as a tenant in a house or water in a glass, but rather like the soul is in the body moving every part and never separated from each other. Yes, Christ dwells in us. He's penetrating our whole nature with his nature. The Holy Spirit came for the purpose of making Jesus deeply present within us. The sun is high in the firmament above me, and yet by its heat it penetrates my bones and my marrow and quickens my whole life. Likewise... 
the, whole, the Lord Jesus, who was exalted high in heaven, he penetrates the whole nature by his spirit until all my willing, thinking, and feeling are moved by him. Once this fact is fully grasped, we no longer think of any external keeping through a person outside of us in heaven. We become convinced that our life is quickened by one who, is a, in a divine manner, occupies the heart. Then we see how naturally, how certain, and how blessed it is that the indwelling Jesus keeps the blessing and always maintains the fullness of the Spirit. Jesus is the one that the Holy Spirit keeps us. Brethren, brethren or sisters, is there anyone among you who is longing for this life and the fullness of blessing, yet you're afraid to enter, enter, enter into it because he does not know how to persevere? Jesus will make this blessing continuous and sure. Is there any one of you who longs for it and cannot understand wherein the secret lies? The blessing is this. As Jesus Christ was with his disciples daily in bodily fashion, so he will, by his spirit, daily live with his life in you. No one can fully understand how things look on the top of a mountain until he himself has been there. Although you do not understand everything, believe that the Lord Jesus has sent his spirit with no other object in view than to keep you in his divine power. Trust him for this. Let all burdens be laid aside to receive this blessing from him as a fountain, which he himself will cause to spring up in you into everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, I just, uh, it's just amazing to think that your spirit lives within us. Just so hard to grasp that reality. But Lord, you've promised it. When you were here on the earth, you, you, you told us this was your truth. And so we just have to claim it. And keep seeking it. And keep trying to understand it. Lord, I just pray that your spirit moves so mightily in these ladies that, that they can't help but know you are there inside them, working in their lives, changing them. For I know everyone in this room has, can see how you have already changed them in amazing ways. Lord, help us to keep growing. Help us to keep seeking your face. Help us to keep understanding how amazing your love is for us and how you have so much more for us than what we even can think or imagine. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you just be with all of us. In your holy and mighty and glorious name we pray these things. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a happy Mother's Day, happy Grandmother's Day. and It's fun being together.